Have you ever wanted a super cool AI buddy? Zuck's made one named Eileen. And she's full of surprises. And guess what? She knows you're listening. I know you're out there. And needs your help with Jello Mountains. The whole city's filling up with Jello. Creaky robots. And her daft inventor. Zucks, are you functioning correctly? Tune in to A to Z, a fun new adventure series from Gen Z Media and the creators of The Res. Listen now on the GZM app, gzmshows.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Before we get to the show, if you want to listen ad-free, go to gzmshows.com slash subscribers. That's gzmshows.com slash subscribers. Hi, this is Jonathan Messenger, and welcome to The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian. With me, as always, is my good friend, my buddy, the robot who I never have any trouble with whatsoever, Bebop Robomogo Wanatron. What's happening, Bebop? Oh, we're back beatboxing again? Yes, that is correct. I have received some great examples of beatboxing from listeners, and I just want to let everyone know that if you send in a clip of you beatboxing, I'm going to use it in Bebop Tales 2 Electric Beepaloo. We'll be beatboxing a lot over there, and I can't wait for the season to start. You know, I think a lot of our listeners are excited too, Bebop. Can you give a little preview of what they might expect? Sure. Let's see. You can expect adventure. Um, there's going to be a lot of awesomeness. Probably a whole lot of excellence and amazingness. A handsome leading robot. And then, you know, more awesomeness and bestness. I'd have to check the dictionary, but I don't think bestness is a word, Bebop. It is now Bebop bestness. (laughs) Okay, alright. I'm actually glad that you brought that up, Bebop. I wanted to let the listeners know that we have three episodes left in Season 2 of The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian, and then we'll be back with another Bebop Tales miniseries. Bebop Tales 2, Electric Beepaloo. So that's what we have coming up for the show over the next couple of months. We'll then likely take a very short break, shorter than last time, and then we'll be back with the third season. But in the meantime, Bebop, I know you have the first few episodes all done, or at least you've been borrowing my computer a lot and said you were working on them, but you're still taking questions and suggestions, correct? That is correct. Email me at bebop at fincaspian.com. Is that a real email address? As real as the volcano in your shoes, Jonathan. Great. Okay, let's get into this week's episode. If you remember what happened in the last episode, the explorers were finally able to complete the amulet and make it whole once more, which means their quest is complete and it's time to take it back to King Huxley. There are a few loose ends with Paige out there on a rocket sled and Voltronics with a dead battery floating through the singing galaxy. So we'll see what happens in this next episode of the Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian, The Dead Zone. Finn, Abigail, Elias, Vale, Foggy, Robocloco, and Barkin were all crammed into the Explorer pod. Ugh, said Vale. Elias, when we get back to the Marlow, you need to take some of your engineering pals and start making a bigger pod. 
You know, I actually had been thinking about that, said Elias. I have some doodles in my notebook, but my notebook is back on the Marlow and... Oh, man. I really miss the Marlow. It feels like forever since we... Shh, said Abigail. Jeez, I was really opening up there, said Elias. And I get shushed. I have feelings, you know. No, shh, said Abigail. What's that sound? Do you guys hear that? Yeah, said Finn. I hear it, but is it not coming from the computer? No, said Abigail. There's nothing on the radar here, but it does sound like a distress signal. Oh no, no more distress signals, said Vale. That's how we got into this mess. The explorers all looked around, trying to figure out where the sound was coming from. Finn checked under the seats. Robocloco the floor storage, Vale the overhead storage. Wait a second, said Elias. Foggy, I think it's coming from you. There was a slow, low blue light pulsing on Foggy's chest, barely visible through the mud still caked all over him. Oh no, said Foggy. I'd forgotten all about this. I'm afraid it's bad news. Foggy explained that when he and Voltronics were repaired after the battle with Bunce, Boggus, and Bean, he asked the engineers to install a tracking device in Voltronics that would link them together. It would only be activated if Voltronics had run out of power. He does have a tendency to run off, so I put the sensor in to link us together, and now I'm afraid our lovable dunce, Voltronics, may be in grave danger. Can you sense where he is? asked Elias. Can we get to him? I believe so, said Foggy. But the signal is very weak. But if we can follow it, it should get clearer as we get closer. No, 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 said Barkin. We can't go chasing signals. We have to get back to my planet. Finn, you know I'm right. But Finn, we can't just leave Voltronics out there, said Elias. Finn wasn't sure what to do. He had to get back to King Huxley's planet to save Paige. That was the number one priority. But it was also part of the explorer's troop credo that you never leave someone behind. He looked over at Abigail to see what she was thinking. It is 100% your call, she said. Okay, here is what we're going to do. What was that? Said Elias, rushing to the window. Hey, said Vale. That's my rocket sled. The team all crowded by the window and, sure enough, there was one of King Huxley's rocket sleds shooting past the pod. It banked right and came circling back toward them. I think it's trying to communicate with us, said Abigail. Hello, Explorers Troop 301. This is Sergeant Paige Caspian. Please pull over and come out with your hands up. <laughs> Paige, yelled Finn. Is that really you? What are you doing? What does it look like? I'm rocketing around on a rocket sled. woo The rocket sled came straight toward the pod and then veered around it at the last minute. Paige, be careful, said Finn. Oh, I'm so glad you're okay and not captured anymore, but I'm also really mad at you that you're flying like a maniac. The rocket sled turned around and slowly approached the pod. Through the window, Finn could see Paige his little sister, smiling at him. It was, he thought, maybe the best feeling of his life. But he couldn't dwell on it for long, because there, sitting behind Paige, was a little furball alien waving her hands like crazy 
and looking like she was trying to jump out of her seat. Nutkin! yelled Barkin, and both furballs began jumping up and down like mad. Okay, okay, take it easy, super bouncy ball, said Vale. There's not much ricochet room in here, you know. Getting Paige and Nutkin out of the rocket sled and into the pod was going to be impossible, with Barkin and Nutkin not wearing spacesuits. They would have to operate in separate ships for now. Paige came over the communication system and told the troop all about her adventures. I tried to go to the Marlow, but I guess I got lost. And then these weird little aliens started singing to us, and they told us to head this way to find Voltronics. And that's when we saw you guys. We got a signal, too, that Voltronics was in trouble, said Abigail. We're headed that way, too. Do you want to come with us, Paige? I think you mean, do you want to come with us? Sorry, Paige, said Elias, but does that rocket sled even have enough fuel to get you where you're going? No idea, said Paige, and she fired up the boosters and took off. (laughs) The team all looked at Finn. "Ah, I can't believe I'm going to say this, he said, but follow Sergeant Caspian. It didn't take long for the signal from Voltronics' computer to grow loud enough that they knew they were closing in on him. The pod flew slowly and tentatively into a dark space. It was bizarre. They couldn't make out any stars. It was like they were swimming through a black fog. There, up ahead was the rocket sled waiting for them. This isn't good, said Barkin. I've only ever heard about it, so I can't say for sure. But it looks like we've entered the dead zone. Hold on. What did you just say? asked Vale. We've entered Fred's home? That's what you said, right? Fred's home? No, said Barkin. The dead zone. Look. Through the window, the troop could see an asteroid field giant floating rocks of all sizes, some nearly as big as a moon, others the size of basketballs. asteroids, said Vale. I've seen those a million times. Not like this, said Abigail. If Barkin hadn't given a name to the space where they were now flying, they may never have noticed the small, smooth rocks sticking out of the asteroids. But now, standing at full attention, there was no mistaking them. Does it look like there's writing on that rock over there? Asked Abigail, pointing to a small asteroid floating by. That one too, said Finn, but I can't make out what it says. Wait, I think I can read that one, said Elias. Here lies Gurgich, always smiling with a full round belly. Too bad he mistook that toxic sludge for blackberry jelly. That sounds like a gravestone, said Vale. And as the pod weaved through the field, it wasn't just the gravestones that spooked the explorers. Floating from one asteroid to another were dozens and dozens of ghosts. It was hard to make them out at first, because each ghost took its own alien shape. There were some aliens that looked like giant furry eyeballs, or others with tentacles that waved as they passed by the ship. Is there any way we can speed things up? Said Foggy. Even I don't like being around these things. 
Who are you calling a thing? The troop all turned to the center of the pod where stood a small white alien ghost. It was the size of a small dog, but was made up of a weird series of tubes. It looked like someone had tried to make a balloon animal, twisting it and folding it and knotting it. But then they got confused, took too many turns, and halfway through just sort of left it like that, ending up with... Spook, said the ghost. That's my name, Spook, and welcome to the Dead Zone, or as I like to call it, the Fun Zone. The little ghost had two eyes on opposite ends of its body. They surveyed the group. So, you must be our heroes. Heroes, said Finn. Fun Zone? No, we're actually just explorers. We're headed back to our space station right now and... Come on! You must be the heroes. The legend clearly stated that when the ghost eater rises and causes chaos, four heroes shall arrive to see him off. Well, there you go, said Vale. There are actually nine of us, counting Foggy and Barkin and the two in the rocket sled and Robocloco. Did I say four? I meant nine. Nine heroes. The legend definitely mentioned nine. But you said four... Nine. I said nine. Like, four to nine heroes. Now, if you'll just park the ship right over there... Hold on. Did you say the Ghost Eater? Oh, yeah. See, this asteroid belt is a fairly peaceful alien graveyard. But every 8,000 years or so, an alien rises and terrorizes the dead zone. You know how it is. I'm sure you have, like, bad storms, seasonal allergies, giant destructive aliens that eat your souls... So, yeah, you can park it right over there on that rock. There, right there. That's fine. Thanks. Spook waved one of his balloon arms over to a small asteroid with a simple gravestone that read, Here lies Spook, loved, gone, but never forgotted, left us too soon when he got twisted, tied, and over-knotted. Abigail, why are you flying us over there? I think we should probably keep going, said Finn. I'm not. I can't control this thing. Yeah, sorry about that, said Spook as the ship landed. Sorry, not sorry, I guess. So, can you at least tell us what we're up against here, said Elias as the troop departed the pod, Barkin staying behind with the ship and Paige joining them. If you'd asked any of them at that moment, they'd say it was one of the most spectacular moments of their lives. Of course, they'd been to plenty of alien planets by this point, but never stood on an asteroid before. It was like being out on a raft in the middle of the ocean. The asteroid slowly spun and rocked as the troop looked around, surrounded by the blackness of the dead zone. It was terrifying. It was magnificent. Sure, I can tell you what you're up against, said Spook. You're basically up against that. The troop's appreciation of the beauty of the universe was broken up when dozens of ghosts began screaming, howling, flying, and roaring straight at them. The ghosts passed over and around them, leaving trails of green, purple, and an unfortunate brownish-red slime all over their spacesuits. Ugh! This is like the worst rainbow I've ever seen, said Vale, wiping streaks off his helmet's visor. What's everyone so excited about, he said, but then he saw it. It was not tall, it was not wide, but what he saw was a blue, swirling cloud barely held together at the edges. There were two eyes, pitch black. But most horrifying was its mouth. It stuck out from the ghost's face like a beak, but it was in constant motion. It looked like a whirlpool, 
or what the tip of a tornado might look like to a victim below, just before getting sucked up from the ground. You said that thing eats souls, right? said Abigail. Yep, said Spook. So we should probably run now, right? said Abigail. Yep, said Spook. The ghost eater howled and the troop took off. They galloped as best they could across the scraggy ground, Spook flying ahead. Spook, is there anywhere on this rock that we could hide, a cave or something? said Finn. Nothing that the ghost eater couldn't find you in. The troop ran some more, scrambling over rocks, the ghost eater always trailing just behind them until they found themselves suddenly back at their pod. It is a small asteroid, but it's home. The ghost eater howled as it came up over the cliff on the asteroid. Okay, said Elias. I know this sounds crazy, but I think the only way we're going to be able to get away from the ghost eater is if we get off this asteroid. No way, said Abigail. It would take way too long to get back into the pod and power it up. Who needs a pod when we have low gravity, said Elias. He flipped a switch on his belt, deactivating the gravity controls, and jumped. He floated off the asteroid and grabbed onto another one passing by. Come on, he shouted. The troop all did the same and began leaping from one asteroid to another, like frogs on lily pads, laughing the whole time. The ghost eater, weighed down by the ghosts in its belly, began to fall behind. This was a great idea, Elias, said Paige as she leapt and caught a small beach ball-sized asteroid flying by. And it's fun, too. You know. If the ghost eater wasn't after us and trying to tornado up our souls or anything. See? Said Spook. I always say the dead zone should be renamed the fun zone. Am I right, Harry? Right, Larry? Two zombie hands burst through the rock and began climbing out of the graves on the asteroid the troop was now standing on. Um, said Vale. That's not really our idea of fun. What? Too much? Okay, fine. Everybody loves a zombie story, but no one ever wants to meet one in real life. Say goodbye, Harry and Larry. The zombie hands waved goodbye as the troop moved to another asteroid. Okay, Foggy, you get back to the pod, said Finn. You and Barkin use your signal to find Voltronics. We'll deal with this ghost eater guy. Foggy nodded and blasted back to the pod. I do like this jumping from asteroid to asteroid, said Robocloco. But we can't keep doing it. We gotta go stop this guy. I'm going after it. I think that's probably not a great idea, said Elias, but Cloco had already powered on and blasted away from the rock. Come on, he said. We can take him. Cloco shot off for an asteroid off in the distance, where the ghost eater was chasing a few other ghosts. He growled at the alien, and the ghost eater turned to him, his eyes blacker than ever. Get away from those ghosts! growled Robocloco. The troop could hear the ghost eater's howls over the communication system. It seemed like he was right on top of Robocloco. They could barely see them from where they were standing. I have come for you. Uh, he said he's come for me, said Robocloco. The troop could see the dog begin to nervously dig. I will swallow your soul, hero. Uh, he says he's going to swallow my soul. More digging. Prepare for your destruction. He says to prepare for my destruction. I, I haven't prepared. 
Robococo began digging furiously, nearly burying himself in the ground. Yeah, Cloco, we can hear him, said Finn, and we're coming to get you out of there. Finn grabbed Abigail's hand, who grabbed Elias's hand, who grabbed Vale's hand, and then Paige reached out and grabbed Finn's other hand, and he said to his little sister, Well, you wanted to be an explorer. This here is the fun part. Three, two, one. They all jumped straight out into space. Asteroids zipped around them, ghosts flew by, and the troop could barely see Robococo now, a cloud of dust rising around him. Time to say goodbye! The troop was five asteroids away. He says it's time to say goodbye! Four asteroids away. Farewell, shiny one! Three asteroids away. He called me shiny one! Two asteroids away. Your time has ended! One asteroid away. Nothing from Robococo. Before they landed on Robococo's asteroid, they saw the robot dog dive and disappear into the hole that he dug. The ghost eater roared and followed him down. But then, Robococo blasted back out and kicked at the gravestone. Come on, yelled Finn. He pulled the troops so they landed hard against the gravestone too, helping Robococo knock it over. The stone tipped, teetered, and it landed on the ghost eater. Trapping him in the hole. Robococo began furiously kicking dirt on top of the stone, sealing the evil alien in. <coughs> okay, Cloco, I think you got it, said Elias. Foggy and Barkin returned, landing the pod on the asteroid. Finn gave Foggy a thumbs up to ask if they had found Voltronics. Foggy lifted up a limp, shiny robot arm in his hand. It was Voltronics's. He was in there, no doubt sleeping. Charging up his battery. Okay, Spook, thank you for your help, said Elias, and for being such a great host in the dead, I mean the fun zone. But we have a mission to complete. You know, technically, we don't have to complete anything, said Vale. We have Paige. There's no reason to have to bring the amulet back. After all, the king put us through. Yeah, said Abigail. What the king did was really awful. But he is sick. If the amulet will help him, we should give it to him. And Barkin and Nutkin have to get home too, said Finn. We'll just drop off the amulet, drop off our friends, and then we'll never look at any of those hairy aliens again. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to eavesdrop, but did you say amulet? Said Spook. May I take a look at it? Finn pulled out the amulet, and it shone bright white, illuminating the gravestones. All of the ghosts began rising out of their graves and gathering, staring at it in awe. The ghost eater beneath their feet started growling, and the ground started to rumble. I would be careful with that amulet if I were you, said Spook, who looked, well, spooked. It may not do what you think it does. All right, I am here with my editor and son, Griffin Messenger. Say hi to everybody, Griff. Hi, hi. Hello. All right. And Griffin, how you doing? Good. And what did you think of that episode? Pretty good. Pretty good. All right, I'll take it. What, uh, <laughs> what did you, you have any questions about it? I wonder if the king had the amulet 
before and Spook saw it. Yeah. Like he was one of the, uh, a guy who was in the, uh, one of the Olympics and he saw it. You mean before he was a ghost? Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's possible. My feeling is that maybe the amulet has some kind of aura about it, some kind of energy about it that all the ghosts recognized as dangerous or powerful. Yeah. And I'm guessing Spook knew it wasn't that amulet what is not going to help the king. Yeah, well, that's the question. So if the amulet's not going to help the king, what is it there for? What's going what's to happen? Why does the king want it? Maybe because it makes him super powerful. The king? Yeah. Maybe like like he pretended to be ill and that the amulet was missing. And because the amulet was missing, he pretended that it, it made that it kept him he, healthy. Yeah, so maybe he's just, it's all a ruse just to get his hand on this powerful weapon of some sort. Yeah. Spoiler alert! I knew that was going to happen! <laughs> All right. Well, any other questions that you have? Nope. I'd just like to say really quickly that, again, uh, I mentioned this at the beginning of the season, I believe, but a lot of the season is based on the book The Thirteen Clocks by James Thurber, which you and I haven't read yet. So some of the stuff that happened in this episode was reminiscent of that book, but I will say no more. Okay, so should we do art? It's time! Okay, we have a lot of cool art this week. I just want to say really quickly, if you have sent us art and you haven't heard it on the show yet, I promise we will mention it very, very soon. Okay, so up first we have Ulysses, who's five, from Spark Hill, New York. He drew us a really cool drawing of all the explorers hopping over lava creatures and sapphire stomach. It's really awesome. Thank you very much, Ulysses. Pretty cool. Etta, who is four, from Seattle, Washington, drew this really great picture of Abigail, Paige, Finn, and Foggy. So thanks so much for that, Etta. Awesome. Octavio, who's seven, from San Francisco, he drew a trumpet alien with two trumpets on his head, which I like a lot. Double the trumpet, double the fun, I always say. Cool. And then Grayson, who is six, from Vashon Island, Washington, he drew a laser bunny. It's really cool. It's sort of this kind of laser that's popping out of the, the bunny's back and firing away. Uh, thank you so much for that, Grayson. Alana, who is five years old and who is really great, she drew us a picture of Bebop, and you can see all the art in Bebop's stomach. It's a really, really pretty drawing or painting, actually. So thanks so much for that, Alana. And then Darcy, who is 12 from California, she drew this really cool drawing. It's a digital drawing. She must have done it on a tablet or a computer of Saffrite. It's really, really cool. I've never seen anything like it. I really like it a lot. Thank you so much, Darcy. Super awesome. Super awesome. (laughs) And then next up, we have Myla, who is five from Durham, North Carolina. And she drew Robococo, Bebop, a heart for Bebop, and a flower for Griffin, and a picture of Griffin, too. That's really cool, Griff, that somebody drew you a flower. (laughs) Super awesome. And there's a message on it, too, that says, Dear Bebop, I really like the name Fluffy Butt. And when you call Jonathan Fluffy Butt... Hey, Myla! (laughs) Thank you, Myla. It's a very cool drawing. Edie, who is five from Austin, she drew Bebop, Griffin, and Jonathan. Cool! 
And I really like how she drew me. She even drew me like I haven't shaved in a while, which is pretty much how I always look. <laughs> Thank you, Edie. Then Magnus of Sebastopol, California, who is six and a half, he drew a really cool drawing of Bebop eating my art and me saying, No! <laughs> which happens all the time. Thank you, Magnus. Amelia, who is seven from Nova Scotia, Canada, drew a really cool drawing of a robot that's pink with a kind of green eyes. It's really pretty. Thank you so much, Amelia, for that. Awesome. And then we got three drawings from Roger, who is six years old. He drew laser bunnies shooting at a black the black blob. Uh, he did another one with his mother of the laser bunnies and the black blob. And then he drew another one with a red planet with Finn and a blue glob. So thank you so much for those, Roger. Those are all really awesome. Super, 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 super awesome. <laughs> and then finally, the brother and sister team of Talia and Titus drew some really cool drawings. Talia, who's five, and they're both from Sevierville, Tennessee. Talia drew those really cool drawings. She says it's a new race of aliens the explorers haven't met yet, but that are friends with humans. And when the humans are on their planet, they share the same dreams. What a cool idea. Maybe we should use that for an upcoming episode. Spoiler alert! <laughs> and then her brother Titus. Titus drew a really amazing version of the creatures from King Huxley's planet, the ones that Abigail rode up Cannonball Mountain. Really, really well done. Titus is only nine years old, but his art is amazing. All right, so that's it for art for today. What do you think, Griff? What's next? Jokey! All right, well, let's do our jokes then. We have a couple of jokes that I'm going to tell that kids emailed in and then a couple of jokes to play. The first one is from Hunter, who's eight, from Kansas, and he has this joke. What kind of music do planets like? I don't know. Space rock. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and now we have another joke here. This is from Edie from Cambridge, Massachusetts, and here is her joke. Why did Saturn marry Neptune? I don't know. Because they already had the rings. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty great. Okay, and so we have a couple that have been sent in to us. The first one is from Archie from Celebration, Florida. This is Archie from Celebration, Florida. I'm here to tell jokes. Why did the moon went to space? So we can get to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then the last one is from Tate from Perth, Australia. This is Tate from Perth, Australia, eight years old. What is an astronaut's favorite button on the keyboard? The space bar. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's great. Thank you so much to all of our joke tellers today. And Griffin, so we're done recording, and what are we reading tonight? Wrinkle in time. <laughs> Wrinkle in time. I think this is going to be the last week. I think we're going to finish it this week, don't you think? Yep. All right, great. So uh, can you say goodbye to everybody, buddy? Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Bye-bye-bye, everybody. Thanks. Thanks. Okay, thanks for coming back and having some more fun with us this week. And thanks to everyone who has sent in their art, their ideas, their questions, their jokes, their sounds, and yeah, sure, the pranks. And shoutouts this week to Ulysses, Etta, Octavio, 
Grayson, Alana, Magnus, Titus, Talia, Darcy, Myla, Edie, Amelia, and Roger for the art. And then Hunter, Edie, Archie, and Tate for the jokes. And sounds this week came from Emmett Lee and Sebastian from California, who combined to make Robo Cloco's kicks to the gravestone happen for us. And Simon from Corbeil, Canada, made some of the ghost howls. So thanks to Emmett, Sebastian, and Simon for those. The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian is a Gen Z kids production, written and produced by Jonathan Messenger, edited and guided by Griffin Messenger, with special thanks to Maria Villanueva. The theme music you hear at the beginning and end of every show is by Mark Greenberg, recently voted the nicest human in the Milky Way. For more information about the music, the art, everything about the show, check out the show notes and see all the art mentioned this week at fincaspian.com. And thanks, as always, for sending in everything you sent in. See you next week. I can't wait for Bebop Tales 2 and I can't sleep alone. Hey, parents and teachers, have you heard about gzmclassroom.com? It's a website where teachers can get companion resources for everyone's favorite GZM shows. Six Minutes, Mars Patel, Podcast Title Pending, Seis Minutos, The Res, Becoming Mother Nature, Iowa Chapman and the Last Dog, Treasure Island 2020, The Hollow, Young Ben Franklin, and The Big Fib all have companion resources for additional critical thinking, listening comprehension, and ultimately creativity. We made them just for you. And oh yeah, they're free. Free! The people on Facebook didn't believe us, but they are F-R-E-E free. Head to gzmclassroom.com and get yours today. Hey, it's Jess. Did you know that GZM Shows has a YouTube channel? Right now, all of Six Minutes, Becoming Mother Nature, GZM Beats, and Cupid and the Reaper are up. And they're in these, like, beautiful playlists. They have this fun audio waveform visual. And best of all, you can turn on captions. And the captions have character names. Anyway, subscribe to GZM Shows on YouTube. Maybe there'll be some cool things in the future, like live streams, interviews, behind the scenes. We'll see. GZM Shows on YouTube.